23rd Psalm tonight, if you're finding that, Psalm 23, that's a real blessing, that fiddle, fiddle music, amen. Psalm 23, we're going to continue looking at uh, some different aspects of the shepherd and the sheep relationship, and um, if you found that, 23rd Psalm, let's stand together and we'll read the passage and have prayer together. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In verse 4, the song or the psalm really strikes a different chord uh, in a couple of ways, but in, we covered this in um, Sunday morning's message, He Restoreth My Soul, but we've been looking at the first three verses where, you know, the Lord provides for me, every need should be supplied, you know, He gives me rest, He makes me lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside the still waters, the quietness. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. But in verse 4, it's like a shadow comes over the psalm. And David said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And that's the portion we're going to look at tonight really is the shepherd in the valley. And let's pray as we get into it. All right, Father, we truly thank you tonight for your word. What, a, what an amazing book we have before us. We thank you, Lord, that these words were not just given to us from men, that you oversaw the writings of them, inspired the writers. And God, we thank you, Father, for these words that come from you. Thank you for David's perspective as a shepherd, and Father, for the insight it gives us. And I pray, as has already been prayed, that, Lord, you would just, just encourage us tonight by your word. And Father, if there's one thing we need to know how to trust you in, it's in the valleys of life that we all go through. So we pray you'd bless in a special way. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So as I look at this passage so far in the first three verses, it's been pretty easy to be a sheep. The Lord's just leading you, taking care of you, feeding you. And he's leading us in verse 4, but David said, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And so this is, any way you look at this, you could look at this without even studying or reflecting on it much. And you looked at it, you know this is, he's not talking about an easy place. The valley of the shadow of death. Those words seem sort of ominous, really. They seem sort of dark. 
And I think it's because he's talking about a dark time. And many people I know have been comforted by these verses at the graveside or at a funeral service. Uh, thinking about the loss of a loved one. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And, uh, and that's true, really, for a saint, for someone who knows the Lord. But I don't know that, I don't think that's the only application, and I really don't even think it's the primary application. But uh, we do know the Lord is with us all the time, and that's a part of what this verse says in verse 4. For thou art with me. We know he's always with us. Thank God for that. He's with us in life. And he's with us when he takes us from this life. Keep in mind that David is writing from a shepherd's perspective. He is a, he is a shepherd and the Lord is his shepherd. And he knew the challenges of leading sheep. But the question that I want us to think about tonight is why would a shepherd lead sheep through a dangerous valley? And there's an there's a answer for that, a logical answer for that. But in answering that, we have to ask ourselves, why would God lead his children through valleys, through difficult times, through passage, paths that are difficult? And as far as the physical shepherd and the sheep, shepherds, as, as you know, we think about shepherds and sheep. We often think about a shepherd living in a house, and he's got a sheep in a corral, and he goes out in the day and he lets the sheep out of the corral and goes out in the evening and he rounds them up and goes back and lays his head down on his pillow. But that's really not the way they lived in the, in the Middle East as far as shepherds. They were nomads. They traveled. They traveled. They traveled. And by the way, that's one of the reasons why there was such, such conflict in this country in the early days, uh, in the, especially in the West, was because of the Sheep, the sheep would devour the soil and ruin the soil, and the cattle farmers had issues with that. And if you know anything about history, you know that was a is a big is an interesting part in time of our history. But so these sheep, they would eat the eat the grass down, and they had to be moved. They'd constantly be moving and moving to find better sheep, and sometimes great distances. I want to mark your place here in Psalm 23, if you would, and go to Genesis chapter 37, and I want to just. Look at a, a prime example of this from the Bible. How the shepherds would move the flocks to find the nourishment that they needed. Psalm, uh, Genesis chapter 37 is writing, of course, about Joseph and about uh, the jealousy between Joseph's brothers and himself. And in Genesis chapter 37 in verse um, 12... It says this about Joseph's brethren. And his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. So let's try to just think about these places. They went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel, the dad, said to Joseph, the only son left at home, the rest of the brethren are feeding the flock. Israel said to Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem. Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said to him, Here am I. And he said to him, said to Joseph, Go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren, and well with the flocks, and bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. So they were in Hebron, and 
The other brothers had gone with the herd of flock to Shechem. So he sent them to Shechem. And verse 15 says, And a certain man found him, found Joseph, and, and behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What seekest thou? And he said, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks. And the man said, They are departed hence, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. Well, we've got a little map here we're going to look at that kind of gives us an idea of, of where this took place. Isaac and the family lived in Hebron, in the Vale of Hebron. And the boys had gone to Shechem uh, to look for better grass. They took those, they, they, led, they, didn't put them on a, they didn't put them on a trailer and get in their four-wheel drive and drive them up to uh, Shechem. They, they led them up there to Shechem. From Hebron to Shechem is about 50 miles. So imagine, you know, if you've sent your family out and they're taking care of the flock and they're leading them and the father knows they're going to Shechem, that's a, that's a long ways to go. If you were to lead your flock over a period of time from here to the arch, that would be about where the arch about 50 miles, that's quite a journey. And when he got to Shechem, they weren't there. They were actually in Dothan. And that's, that's about another 15 more miles. By the way, the, the name Dothan means two wells. And so it makes me wonder why they, they're going to grassier pasture. They're going where they know there's going to be water. But not only was it a journey of about um, 65 miles but Hebron is about 3,300 feet above sea level. And Shechem is about 2,400 feet above sea level. So they're not only traveling about 65 miles, but they're going down in elevation about 1,000 feet. And so that tells you they're coming kind of out of the mountains and going down into a lower, a lower elevation and how that terrain might look. And so... So that's kind of gives, so let's go back to the 23rd Psalm as we're looking to this Psalm. And thanks for the picture, guys. No popcorn, just, just movies. So, you know, when it says there in verse 4, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the, the shepherd had to lead the sheep through some difficult places. And, and the bottom line is really, the way you get from... A higher elevation down to a lower elevation is you, you go through valleys. You don't just stop. You just, if you've ever uh, followed a windy road in the mountains, they just wind back and forth along the mountainside. But you, don't really, you can't really lead sheep that way, especially in rocky terrain. And so uh, there's actually a place in Judea that's known as the Valley of the Shadow of Death. And it's a, it's a valley that runs from Jerusalem down to Jericho, which is, Jerusalem is a couple of thousand, several thousand feet above sea level. Jericho is actually below sea level. And so it's, and it's very rough terrain. And it's the, the valley of the shadow of death, and that we don't know for sure, but it's, like, it's very possible that that's exactly what David was speaking of. It was known in Judea. That it was, if you imagine going some 10 miles, and that's all, that's all the distance is from Jerusalem to Jericho, about 10 miles, 
in a moment we'll look at some pictures, but it drops about 2,500 feet in elevation in just 10 miles. And the, and the valley in places is very narrow and very dangerous. So I want to look at an actual, some actual pictures of what they call the valley of the shadow of death. Now that's just looking at the terrain um, that would be from Jerusalem going toward Jericho. And that little road you see on the left is the road, it's called the Jericho Road. It was on the Jericho Road that uh, the man that was going from Jer Jerusalem to Jericho was fell among thieves and they beat him and left him for dead. It was on that Jericho Road and that's, that's what it looks like. The next picture, if you can see well enough, you can see if you're looking, you're on the top of the elevation near Jerusalem but what the city you see in the distance down in the in the lowland that's the that's the Jordan Valley that's Jericho and down in the valley so if you had sheep you can see if you had sheep way up in the highlands up where Jerusalem is how are you going to get them down during t different times of the year down into the lowland down to Jericho where well, you can see you say well I just take them on a straight shot well good luck with that it doesn't look too to like it be pleasant. Let's look at the next picture. Here again is the, here's a couple of men walking on that Jericho Road. Just give you a picture of how, how rugged it is, the terrain. The next one, though, shows a picture of the valley. The valley of, of what is called the Valley of the Shadow of Death. You see the Jericho Road up on the left-hand side up in the mountain. That's how they would wind around the road. But this valley was cut down through and the shepherds would take their sheep down these valleys. Let's look at the next picture. And here again we see on the left, that's what that valley is, Wadi Kaili. That's the, that's the valley of the shadow of death, the Jericho Road up here. So this would be the way that sheep would take, the question we asked earlier, why would sheep, why would shepherds take their sheep down these valleys and because it's the easiest route really to get them down to the lowland or and that's what they would do when the winter would come in the higher elevations and and begin to get cold they'd go down to the lower elevations and the same thing in the later when they'd want to come after winter passes over they'd come up through that valley the valley of the shadow of death let's look at one more maybe there's actually, a, in that same valley, there's a herd of, of sheep being flock of sheep and the shepherds watching them. So that's, we don't know for sure if that's the valley David talked about, but he illustrated a valley that the shepherd took the sheep through. By the way, Jesus made that same journey from Jericho up to Jerusalem on his last trip up before he would go to Calvary, that Jericho road. So the, the shepherd would take the sheep we're back in uh, Psalm 23. The shepherd would take the sheep through these dark valleys, these difficult and dangerous valleys to get them to green pastures. Now, that's true about, there's no doubt that's true about the life of a shepherd and the sheep. But David is looking at this not just like he's talking about his role as a shepherd and leading sheep down through the valley of the shadow of death, but he said, the Lord is my shepherd, and he leads me. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he's with, he's with me. And so 
Our shepherd leads us through valleys, through dark times, through difficult times. And the purpose is not to just challenge us. The purpose is not to harm us. But the purpose really is to bring us to a better place. Spiritually, that's God's plan. And, you know, if you're reading in the 23rd Psalm, if you're looking at with me tonight, if you're reading that 23rd Psalm and you have those first three verses and how he leads us, as I mentioned earlier, in verse 2, into places of rest and by still waters, just, you know, just good places of refreshing. And, and then how he restores us in verse 3 and, and leads us in paths of righteousness and all that is well and good. But then he says in verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So the same shepherd in verse 3 who leads us in paths of righteousness in verse 4 is leading us into these valleys of shadow of death. The paths, here's here's really an interesting thing to think about. If you're thinking about the good shepherd and us being the sheep, um... The paths he leads us on are not always pleasant. They're not always convenient for us. And when David said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he's talking about dangerous times. He's talking about difficult times. He's talking about dark times, the valley of the shadow of death. And as you can see those pictures, they're very, to me, graphic because you can see there's steep cliffs on either side. You know, there could be danger lurking around the next corner. But the, but the truth of the matter is, sometimes we find ourselves in valleys, spiritual valleys. You know, if, I, if, I, if God would ask me, you know, to fill out a little poll and just say, you know, would you like to spend most of your time on the mountains or in the valleys? I would check in the mountains. I love the mountains. Ross loves the mountains. But I don't mean just the mountains like the Rockies or the, or the Smoky Mountains. I mean, I like what we would call, you know, higher ground. You know, we sing that song about higher ground. We like that. We like places of blessing. But in reality, that's not where we always live. And God knows that we don't always need that. As a matter of fact, I think we could probably agree that sometimes God may even bring us through valleys to kind of get us closer to him because he knows it's good for us and so he leads us through these these different difficult times sometimes it's health issues sometimes it's financial issues sometimes it's difficulty finding a house (laughs) Sometimes it's relationships, sometimes it's disappointments, you know, things that we weren't expecting. But we can be sure that if our shepherd leads us through a valley, that it has a purpose. He has a reason for that. And I, I like, I like there's, a, there's a lot about this that I really like, but in verse 4 when he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I just really like to think about the fact that he leads us through the valley. You know, sometimes you may think there's no end to it. Sometimes you may think this valley is going to go on forever. But in reality, he leads us 
through them. It's not a dead end. He will see us through the valley. And, and generally, the shepherd leads them through the valleys to bring them blessing, to bring them good stuff on the other side. You know, for me, uh, and I know this is true of some of you, one of the, one of the faith-building exercises of our life, in this stage of our life, is looking back over the valleys he's brought us through, the difficult times. And I, I don't know that I can say that the difficult times have been the best times of our life, but I know the difficult times have been good for us. And God uses them. And, uh, you know, I think about our theme, being a... Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. We may go through dark times, but God will bring us through those times. So the first thing I see in this passage, and I've spent the majority of the time on it, and that was it was a challenge. This, the, the, the shepherd has been taking care of the sheep, and the sheep have been benefiting from his watch care and his provision, I shall not want. Through the rest that he provides, he's, but then he's going to bring on a challenge. And the challenge is, what do you do when you go through the difficult times? What do you do when you go through these trials? So we see that his challenge. But the second thing we notice, and that is what I want to call his confidence. He says, though, verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, notice this, I will fear no evil. Isn't that a good statement? I will fear no evil. Even though I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. David had great confidence in his shepherd. I know no matter what happens, no matter how dark it is, no matter how difficult or dangerous it is, then he says, I'm, I'm not going to be afraid. I'll, there's no, I will not fear evil. You know, fear and worry and anxiety or being anxious are things that all of us are familiar with. We know what that is like. But you know what? God wants us to trust Him as our shepherd. He wants us to trust Him. You know, I've, I've said this to God many times. I've said it to you as a church more than once. But I've said to the Lord how ashamed I am sometimes at how I worry about stuff and fret over stuff. It makes me, it, it, I feel shameful about it because, because there are times that we do fear what's going to happen or, you know, we look around our world, we look at our personal lives, whatever, something may be going on. But, but David was not afraid. I mean, I think when he said, I will fear no evil, he meant what he said. I will fear no evil. And it wasn't because he was such a, well, sure, he's a man's man. I mean, he, this guy carries a, he carries a staff, he carries a rod. I mean, this guy killed a lion and a bear, stole a lamb from its mouth. I mean, sure, he's not, he didn't say, I, I will fear no evil because I am such a brave man. He said, because I know I have a companion. The Lord's with me. God wants us to see him as our shepherd who's always with us. He's with us. He's with us in the good times and he's with us in the difficult times. He's not with us anymore 
in the times of great prosperity than he is in times of famine. He's still with us because he's our shepherd. So we see his conflict or his challenge and we see his confidence. The Lord is with me. And then the third thing, I just mentioned it. He mentions his companion in verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. In every situation, in every trial, in every difficulty, he said, I know you're with me. By the way, you'll notice here the pronoun shift where it's, he's referring to God in verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, he maketh me in verse 2, he leadeth me in verse 2, he restoreth in verse 3, he leadeth in verse 3. But then in verse 4, he says, thou, he speaks directly to. He's not talking about the shepherd, now he's talking to the shepherd. Thou art with me. I'm not going to be afraid because you're with me. It's good to know that, isn't it? He had a companion. In the valley of the shadow of death, if you're a Christian, in the valley of the shadow of death, and that would be true, it would be true. If we're talking about the end of our life, I mean, I know some people claim to have died and come back, but most people don't, right? They die and go, go on. They don't come back. So, we're, so one of us, though, are all gonna, we're going to cross that bridge one of these days, but we haven't crossed it before, right? I don't think you have. But the good news is, at that time, we're not alone because he's with us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. But again, most of us need, need direction not just for the end of our life, but for the main part of our life. And that is we have this confidence in him that he's going to be with us. Just recently, not too long ago, we sang a song that we don't normally sing around here. But uh, this reminded me of it. Somewhere in the shadows, you'll find Jesus. That's true, isn't it? In the valley of the shadow of death, he said, I'm not going to be afraid. And, and I know this. Sometimes in the difficult times, we look for solutions. And we look for deliverance. And we look for ways out. But I tell you, we ought to be looking for the shepherd. Because he's with us. It just makes it better when we know he's with us. And he's with us whether we feel him or not. It's not about feeling, it's about knowing what God said in his word. So we see his companion. And the last thing we see in verse 4 is his, his comfort. He says, I will fear no evil in verse 4, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thy, you know, if there is a, if there is a symbol that we associate with the shepherd, it would be his staff, his, his staff. But also the rod, a rod in thy staff. There's, there's, you know, disagreement among Bible teachers and Bible readers and Bible scholars if whether that's talking about the same piece of equipment or it's talking about different one. I personally believe it's different ones. But either way, the rod and the staff, they comfort me. And shepherds depend upon these two instruments, these two tools. You remember when God, when um, God began to deal with Moses and Moses was, 
taking care of his father-in-law's flock and uh, Jethro's flock in um, Midian, and God began to deal with him through the burning bush, and he prepares him to go before um, Pharaoh, and he's nervous, and I don't have, I can't talk good. What am I going to say to the king of Egypt? What am I going to say to Pharaoh? And God said, Moses, what is that in thine hand? And what did he say? It's my cell phone. No. He said, it's a rod. That's all he had was a rod. You know, uh, why? Because that was like a tool of their trade. And that, what was the rod? The, the typical shepherd's rod was not as long as a staff. It was a shorter piece of wood. Sometimes it would hook to their belt. They would carry it along with their belt. And it was kind of like we'd call a club. You know, maybe you have a, you know, baseball bat in the back of your car in case you ever want to stop on the side of the road and play baseball with somebody. But that's kind of what that rod is. It was a club, and shepherds could throw it with accuracy. They could use it to ward off predators. But the rod represents, to me, it represents power and strength and authority. You know, when God said... To Moses, when Moses was about, God was about to do something amazing in these plagues, he said, hold up your rod. And the rod, the rod had no power. The rod was uh, emblematic or symbolic of God's power. And that's really what that rod re really represents. Um, Teddy Roosevelt said, speak softly and carry a big stick. That's what the rod was. It was the big stick. That's still a good rule, really. Speak softly and carry a big stick. But the rod, I think, has to do with authority. Jesus, when Jesus comes back, he is going to rule with a what? Rod of iron. It's a rod. And so it symbolizes the authority. And that rod would be used to protect the sheep. And what, look what it says in verse 4. David said, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. God's, whatever that, whatever that rod was, whatever the rod was to the shepherd, to David, God having the rod, the shepherd having the rod, it was comforting to him. It was comforting to him. Shepherd were comforted by the shepherd's rod. And when I read that, I wonder, you know, what is God's rod in our life? If, if, if his rod comforts us, are you with me? If his rod, what is that Rod, that, that rod of authority, and many people suggest that really it's the Word of God. The Word of God is the authority for our life, and it is very comforting. It's the final authority. It's the weapon of our warfare. And so the shepherd, David, who was very familiar with the, with the shepherd's staff and rod, of course, he also carried a sling, right? We remember that. But he was comforted by the rod, but also by the staff. Thy staff, the rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The staff was different. It was longer. Usually had a crook on the end of it or a hook on the end of it. And it was, it was a useful tool. It would be used really to pull the sheep out of danger. They could be, the shepherds would use it to kind of tap on the sheep and guide them, pull the sheep from problems, draw them closer to the shepherd. And it was a really an instrument of assistance. The shepherd's staff typically was not something um, 
that you would fight off an animal with, though I definitely it would work, but usually the rod was. But the point being, David said, we're going to go through trials in our life. When I go through dark valleys, and David knew what it was to go through valleys. You know, I, I know everybody doesn't maybe see it this way, but to me the Bible is a very, not only is it a factual book and an accurate book, but it's a very emotional book. And when I put myself in some of the places David was, you know, when he was leaving Jerusalem, when Absalom had mounted an insurrection against him, he was going through a great valley, you know. Uh, he knew what it was to go through valleys himself. They will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Like I said, we'd prefer to live on the mountaintops. But you know what? To get to the mountaintops, you've got to go through the valleys. And to get to the lowland where there's grass in the meadow, you've got to go through the valleys. And they're difficult, trying places. And I don't, I don't personally know all the trials that everybody's been through, but I know a lot of them. And I know God's sheep go through them. But we don't have to be afraid in the valleys. God hadn't forsaken us. The shepherd hasn't abandoned us. He's actually trying to get us to a better place. And for sometimes that is to get us to heaven, but isn't that a better place? I mean, he may use a valley to get us there, but it's still a better place. But he's always with us. It's comforting to know that he never, he never sleeps or slumbers. And we're never alone. And he's given us his word. You know, we live in this life sometimes so dependent on our senses, what we can see, how we feel, you know, those kind of, but, but we, have, we have something, as Peter said, we have a much more reliable source of accurate information, and that's the word of God, a more sure word of prophecy. And it comforts us. The Spirit of God comforts us. So our testing has purpose. Let's wrap this up by going to 2 Corinthians for a moment. And we'll conclude. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And only God knows all the purposes for our trials. The things we go through. And this may seem like a, an oversimplification. But, but I believe it's true. If God allowed someone to go through a valley of the shadow of death, a time of great testing and trial and difficulty, and it was a time of darkness where they would, just didn't feel like they could see exactly what was going on and, and those kind of things, and if, that, and if a person went through that, and the only thing that, re, that came across through that, the only thing resulted through that is because the person trusted in God completely and found him to be faithful, then it would be a good thing. It would be a good thing because the purpose in life, our purpose in life is not to be happy. Our purpose in life is not to be, to be uh, always have it easy, things always pleasant and convenient. The purpose of our life is to glorify God and to please him. How do, you please, how do we please him? We please him when we trust him. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. So if God 
would find somebody like a Job and who feared God and hated evil as much as anybody on the planet and let them go through great difficulty for the sole purpose of glorifying God, then that would be a good thing. I'll amen that. I'm not sure God has more in mind than that, but that would be, that would be in itself as a worthwhile purpose. But here's another purpose of our trials and tests. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, look in verse 3. Paul, who knew as much about trials and troubles and difficulties and sorrows in the valley of the shadow of death as any of us, he said, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation. He didn't say we don't have tribulation. He said in our tribulation, he comforts us. And why does he comfort us? Not just that we would be comfortable, that's part of it, but who comforteth us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Now that's a lot packed into that, but basically just says God lets us go through trials so that he can comfort us in our trials so that we can comfort others when they're going through similar things. By the same comfort, we ourselves are comforted of God. Now, if I was going through a trial and I did not allow God to comfort me, then I couldn't really, I couldn't really help someone very much who's going through it. I could say, I've been, I've been through that. To be honest, I've been through that and I was miserable all the way through it and I never got over it. I mean, that could be what we would say. But what would be a better thing to say is, you know, I went through that one time and God was with me and he helped me and he saw me through it. He comforts us so that the, so by the same comfort we are comforted with, we can comfort others. Verse 5, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, as the sufferings abound in us, abundant sufferings, so our consolation, which is another word for comfort, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. The more, the more sufferings we have, the more comfort we experience. And whether we be afflicted, Paul said, if we're down, if we're sick, if we're wounded, if we're weak, we're afflicted, it's for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same suffering, which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted is for your consolation and salvation. Because if God comforts us, we're going to help comfort you. And our hope, is our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye, talking about the Corinthians, are partakers of the suffering, so shall you be also of the consolation. He said, that's our trust. That every time you suffer, God's going to comfort you. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had this sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead. In a great, great verse, verse 10, 
who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. He did deliver us, he is delivering us, and he will deliver us. And he does that in us that we can be a help to others. I know many of you could say this. I know I could say this. There have been times in my life that I'll be talking to someone, maybe a pastor, maybe just uh, a real person. And they'll be sharing some difficulty in their life and, and I'll be able to say, you know, we went through that one time ourselves. And, and God used it and God brought us through and this is what we learned. You know what I'm saying? We can... God does that. So I don't, I don't say that so that you'll go home and beg God to let you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But I'm just saying this. If you walk through it, there's a reason for it. and God's going to use it. And he never leaves us. He's always with us. And when we come through it, we'll be able to share with others, this is how God helped me. This is how God helped me. The shepherd in the valley, he's in the valley with us. Amen.